Thank you for listening to this sermon from Arapahoe Road Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the teaching of Dr. David Rogers, lead pastor of Arapahoe Road. For more information about our church and its ministries, please visit arapahoeroad.org. And now, here's Pastor David Rogers. He and I have a rhythm and a routine here in our humble home, and that morning he was messing it up. See, he comes in at 7.12 every morning on the nose. I hear his boots hit the floor. I make the coffee. He washes the pasture off of him, and we take our toast to the patio. That's our thing. He's a quiet man, likes the one-word answers, that one. And then he's off to bed. He, um, he keeps the herd at night. Oh, how my parents looked at me when I told them that I'd fallen in love with a shepherd boy. <laughs> but um, that's a story for another time. Or never. But that morning, there were no boots, only quiet. Quiet like my husband. Before I could get to the front door, it slammed. It was, it was loud. It was different. As if the front door knew something I didn't know. My husband yells for me. He yells for me. Maybe he's hurt. Maybe he's lost the herd. He's out of breath. He's saying my name as he takes my face in his big hands. He, his eyes, they're full of fear. No awe are running down his face and he can't stop talking, ranting about this bright light that fell out of the sky and angels, yes, that is what I said, angels, hundreds of them all over the field proclaiming good news. But what did he mean, good news? <laughs> now I know my husband, the shepherd, he will never hold the scepter of a king, never sit with dignitaries to solve the world's problems, never even be invited to a meal where he has to wear a suit. But he was given the greatest edict in all the land, all the world, actually, called to the front lines by God himself to proclaim this good news. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign unto you that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. I can say it in my sleep now. I can see it sometimes too. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God was pleased with my husband, the shepherd. His boots hit the floor a little later on these days and that's okay because he is telling anyone who will listen the good news. You know, it's so important to remember something 
that the, the nativity sets, the nativity scenes that begin to appear in our homes and just maybe in uh, different places that we find ourselves in the Christmas season, all the different little characters, the different little figurines, you, you realize they represent real people with real lives and real stories. You know, they're, they're not just little characters in a story. They're, they're individuals whose lives were deeply, deeply, deeply impacted by what they saw when, when they encountered Jesus and they witnessed his majesty on that very first Christmas. I mean, the, the lowly shepherds out there tending their sheep, staff in hand, that, that's not just meant to be a Christmas prop to add festivity to your home, although it adds festivity to your home. It's so much more than that. Again, real people, real lives, real families that experienced something real. And for our shepherds who were present at that very first Christmas time story, they really did leave change. They really did go from that moment and they told everyone that they crossed paths with the good news that they had witnessed firsthand. The, uh, the shepherd's wife that we saw in the video there that recounted that, that good news, that story that she was talking about, it's found in Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20. I'd love for us to read that story again because again it's not just a a fairy tale story. It's a real story about real people that really did happen some 2,000 years ago. So would you take your Bible or turn on your Bible over to Luke chapter 2 and let's read that part of the story where the angels encountered the shepherds and the shepherd's story totally took a turn. Luke chapter 2, we'll start reading in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying, that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And those shepherds, they, they told and they kept on telling the story of this good news that was worth sharing with everybody, everywhere. I mean, when, when a person witnesses the majesty of God, that is always a story that's worth telling, yes? Yeah, that's not a trick question. That's always a story that's worth telling. Actually, actually think about this. When God does anything in a person's life, that is a story that is worth telling and sharing with other people and And let me just tell you, the reason that you still exist, the reason that you are here in this place and on this planet is to share our stories about him and about how he, Jesus, the God of the universe has impacted and has influenced and has changed our lives from the inside out. Yes, we've got a, we, we've got a, a story-loving and a story-writing God. In fact, I love what the writer of Hebrews writes about this story-loving and story-writing God that we serve and that we love and that we honor and that we worship. He, he, he describes Jesus in a great way. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, I love how this one translation uh, says it. Let us fix our eyes on who? On Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith. The author of our faith. Have you ever really thought about what it means for Jesus to be the author of your faith story? I mean, just think about that for a second. Do, do, you, do you realize that Jesus is actually authoring your faith story so that through your story, through your life, you can be one who gives him great glory. That, that's, that's the way he's designed this thing called life. That, that's, that's what he has always had in mind for you and for me. Whatever path you're on, whatever path you're taking, it's a chapter in a bigger story that he is writing called your life. But this life that he is authoring is not just about you. It's really about you giving him glory. He's the star of the story. It's about, it, it's about living a life that's just constantly pointing back to the birth and to the life and to the death and to the resurrection and to the ascension and to the empowerment by the Holy Spirit of those who are followers of Jesus. That is what we see the shepherds beginning to get in on in the story that we read just a moment ago, the birth narrative of Jesus' story. They were, they were telling what they had experienced. They were telling their version of their front row seat of what they saw and what they heard and what they witnessed as they focused on Jesus. In, in other words, you know, if you, if you kind of think that back to, to your own, how do you fit in with this story that we're talking about here? Even though you've got a main role in the story of your life, the real star of the story is not intended to be you. It's intended 
to be Jesus, the author of your faith story, the perfecter of your faith story. So if you were hoping to star in your own story, your own movie, sorry, that role has already been assigned by the author, Jesus. John actually emphasizes what we're talking about here in the gospel when he says over in John chapter 3 verse 30 it's a great verse to memorize he says this he Jesus must become greater and I must become less he's the star you've got a supporting role if we get those things out of order our story kind of gets in the ditch off trail out of whack one person translated this in this way, and I've always loved it. More of Jesus and less of me is a good thing. More of Jesus and less of me, that's a good thing. And and one of the most effective ways to tell other people about Jesus and the story of the gospel is simply to share your story. You, you You don't have to go to Bible college or to seminary to know what your story is and to know how to share your story. That's what the shepherds were doing. They they knew what they had experienced. They knew what they had encountered. They knew what they had witnessed and they shared that. And that was enough. And God took care of the rest. If you'll just share what you know, he'll take care of filling in all of the other gaps. And as a result of these shepherds, sharing their story. Just think about it. We we may not see them in the nativity set, but again, real people with real families and real friends and real community around them, it's very likely that these shepherds that were out in the fields went back home and, and, and told their spouse, told their kids, told their neighbor what they had experienced, shared their story. And it's very probable that just like in the video, if one of those shepherds happened to be married and he went home and told his wife, that wife probably in turn told their story and told her story and how it impacted her and how it impacted her husband and and, and how it impacted their relationship. Because you can't encounter his majesty and just stay the same. Things are going to change. You're going to to, to trade in who you have been for what you were designed to be. And he changes us from the inside out. He changes our relationships. I'm telling you, friends, stories are powerful. And they have a way of impacting other people's lives. Let's think about our story for a minute. Let's think about just any story for a minute. Let's think about a, a, a good story. Not just any story, but a good story. A good story, it's got what? It's got a beginning. It's got a turning point at somewhere in the story. And, and then it's got a conclusion that's, that's leading us somewhere in response to that turning point. And so let's just think about our shepherds for a minute. Our shepherd's story The beginning was them what? It was them out where? Out in the fields, just doing their job. Another day on the job, just out there doing what they were supposed to do, watching sheep. That's their beginning of this story. 
They're watching their flocks by night. Now, where's the turning point? The turning point was when those angels showed up with good news of great joy and totally wrecked just a normal, average, ordinary night on the job. And they told them, hey, there is a Savior that has been born just over those hills in Bethlehem. And they were then invited to go get in on this story in a different kind of way and witness his majesty and go see the king of kings that's been born and that's laying in a manger right over there in Bethlehem, the city of David. And they went and they found the Christ child wrapped in swaddling cloths in the manger. And right then they witnessed his majesty just as those angels had told him. And now the conclusion of the story is what? What happened in response to that turning point? They went on their way, and everywhere they went, what did they do? They just went home and scrolled Facebook. No, they, everywhere they went, they told the story. They told what they had experienced. They, they engaged with people because they just could not keep it inside anymore. What happened to them was like what happened to the prophet Jeremiah in, in chapter 20, about verse 9. He says, man, if, if you think I can hold this message in, it's like a, it's like a fire that's, that's about to just explode out of me. I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. That's the shepherds. That's their conclusion. Everywhere they went. They had a story to tell, their story to tell, their experience, their personal experience. Think about something with me for just a minute. If you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, think about this question for just a minute. When was the last time you shared your faith story with someone? Think about that for a minute. When's the last time you shared your faith story with someone? How'd it go? How did you feel? Were you a little bit nervous? Was your heart beating really fast? Did you start sweating? What happened next? Is that the last time you ever talked to that person? Or was it a tell me more kind of a moment? Or, or maybe you're sitting there going, mm, man, I've been a follower of Jesus for years. And now that you asked me about it, Pastor, I, I've never shared my faith story before. Okay. That's okay. It's not okay to stay that way. But that's okay if that's the truth today. I think part of why you may be here today is because God wants to equip you to leave here and share your story with someone else. If you haven't shared your story in a while, he wants to re-engage that passion, that purpose, that reason while you are still on this planet. Let's talk about that for a few minutes. A few minutes here. I mean, think about it. Christmas, it's a perfect time of year to share your faith story with somebody else, especially if you've never, never really shared your faith story with anyone before. And, and if it's been a long time, man, it's a great time. This is about a new arrival. It's about a new beginning. It's about a fresh start. It's about a hope. It's about a, a peace. It's about a joy. It's about a love. 
that not only do we get to experience, that we get to share. And man, if you, if you consider just effective ways to share your own faith story with others this Christmas and even beyond into the new year, uh, I want you to think about some things with me this morning that a man named Doug Fields uh, wrote about. He wrote a, a little, little booklet called The Second Greatest Story Ever Told. I've shared this with you before. It's been several years, but I wanted to bring it back because it just fits so perfectly with, with helping us to think about our story and sharing our faith story and, and organizing what he says our story around three chapters. These three chapters uh, are going to be helpful to you as you think about your story, as you begin to organize your thoughts about your story, and then as you prepare your heart to actually share your faith story with someone else. Because God desires you. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you very plainly, very clearly, if you don't know what God's will for your life is, part of God's will is for you to share your faith story with other people. There is no question about that. He absolutely wants you to share your story. And so as we think about that, let's think about three chapters of our story. If you have your phone, you may want to take it out and uh, just snap a picture here of this next screenshot, this next slide here. These are the three chapters, okay? A before, a how, and a since. The first chapter is just what was your life like before you became a Christ follower? What was your life like before you became a Christ follower? Chapter 2 in your story that you're telling is, how did you become a Christ follower? How did you do that? What did you say? What did you do? Help somebody else know how you became a Christ follower. That's chapter 2. And then chapter 3 is this, what has happened in your life since you became a Christ follower? What's happened since that moment in time where you became a Christ follower? Three chapters that we want to talk about for a few minutes this morning. Three chapters, that's your story. These three chapters here, that, that's what we want to get our head around, our heart around. Because if you can get your head and your heart around these three chapters of your faith story, and you start talking with others about that, and you start sharing your faith story, you're doing what God designed you to do. That, that's known as uh, evangelism. That's kind of a big word that we probably don't use a whole lot. Evangelism is just spreading the Christian good news, the gospel in public settings. And whether that's just sharing in a conversation or whether that's doing what we're doing, what I'm doing today and preaching or whether that's just a personal one-on-one -on -one or in a small group or in a text back and forth with a friend. It's sharing the good news of what Jesus has done to change your life. What was your life like before? How did you become a follower of Christ? And what has your life been like since? Let me just give you a, a quick example. I'll share my faith story, or at least these three chapters of it. So 
for me, I grew up in a, in a home in Waco with mom and dad, brother and sister, and uh, we, we were taken to church every Sunday, okay? And uh, in, in over time, I just heard the story of Jesus. I went to Sunday school, and I had, I had volunteer teachers that would teach me the stories, and, and then we'd talk about those things. And there was one Sunday when I was in the second grade, and I saw my friend Laura Furman at First Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, walking down the aisle to go talk to our pastor. His name was Peter McLeod, and he was from Scotland, and he had this really cool accent, and he would roll his R's. And I was mesmerized by his voice. And I turned to mom and I said, Mom, what's Laura doing? And she said, she's becoming a follower of Jesus. And I said, what does that mean? And she said, we'll talk about it after lunch. And right now, just be quiet. I said, okay. And so we went and we talked about it. And we set up a meeting to go talk to our pastor, Pastor McLeod. And I sat down with Pastor McLeod, and my mom was there, and, and he talked with me about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. He told me that Jesus was born, he lived his life, he never sinned, he died on a cross to forgive me of my sin. He said, do you have any questions about that? And I said, what sin? <laughs> and, and basically he said, well, sin is anything you do, say, or think that God doesn't want you to do, say, or think. Because when we sin, it separates us from God. And that's why Jesus died on the cross, so we could have a way for our sin to be taken care of and for us to come back into a relationship with him. And anybody, anybody who asks Jesus to forgive them of their sin and to make them a new person can do so. He said, would you like to do that? I said, I sure would. I mean, what second grade boy we wouldn't want that? And so we prayed, and I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I, I, I prayed, and I said something to the effect of, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. And I know now that my sin has, has, has separated me from you. So would you forgive me of my sin? Would you make me a new person? I want to be a follower of yours. Amen. And right then... Pastor McLeod said, based on what the Bible teaches, you're a follower of Jesus now. I said, well, what do I do next? He says, you, you let other people know by being baptized. And so we set that up, and I, I was baptized a few Sundays later. I went under the water and came back out of the water. And in doing so, that, that showed other people that just like Jesus died to his old Self and rose up again on the cross. I did the same thing in a sense. When they laid me under the water, just as Jesus was laid in a tomb after he was on the cross, and I came back up out of the water. It's like when I came up out of the water, it's showing people I'm a new person too. I'm in the second grade. Life was kind of the same. I just kept learning and growing and becoming more and more of who I was meant to be. And then when I was 16, I was at a youth camp. A man named Louis Giglio was speaking, and man, some things that he was saying, God was connecting what he was saying, and it connected in my heart. And, and from that moment, man, my life just took a different course of really getting more serious about my faith, and I've been doing that ever since. It's my faith story. Now, there's other parts of that story, but that's a five-minute version. 
I was what was life was like before. I was just kind of there growing up as a second grader in church because that's where mom and dad had me. Had our family. How man, I was there with Pastor McLeod and, and he helped lead me through a prayer. What's happened since? Well, I was baptized a few weeks later and then I just kept growing and kept learning and kept becoming who he wanted me to be. That's my story. You've got one too. You've got a story. Even if you haven't yet got into chapter two of how, maybe you're still thinking about, then you're in chapter one. You're still in the before. And that's okay. That's great. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. And you are listening today because God wants to move you into chapter two and then into chapter three. See, evangelism or sharing our story friends it's just about investing in people relationally and inviting them into conversations about Jesus that's what we were made to do that's what he hopes and trusts that we will do the author of our faith I love how a man named Brian McLaren says this he says we need to count our conversations instead of our conversions What does that mean? Well, what he means is that according to what the scripture teaches, uh, it's God who actually draws people into a relationship with himself. it's, It's God who does the saving. That's the name of Jesus. God saves. That's what his name means. God saves. And the reasons that the, uh, the reason that the angels told the shepherds to go to Bethlehem was because a savior had been born to save the world from their sins. And so when we think about salvation, think about what it says in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, it says this, salvation belongs to our God. Revelation 7 verse 10. In other words, it's God who's authoring the salvation story across the globe. It's not contingent upon us. It's not dependent on us. It's God's idea from the incarnation. That just means when Jesus was born. It's been God's idea from the incarnation to happen in such a way that eventually It would lead to a cross. His life would lead to a cross where Jesus would save the whole world from the sin that separated us from holy God. And Jesus is the centerpiece of that salvation story. And yet God desires to write us into the script. He wants you to be a part of telling that greatest story ever told. He wants you to contribute a verse. God wants you to have a speaking role in the faith stories of other people that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, that are still thinking about it or are about to consider it for the very first time. And friends, as we have opportunities to share our faith stories just as the shepherds did, Would you remember those three chapters? Those three chapters. If you can just begin to orient your thoughts around those three chapters. What are they again? Number one, what was your life like before you became a Christ follower? Number two, chapter two, how did you become a Christ follower? What did you do? What did you say? Where were you? Number three, what's happened in your life since you became a Christ follower? 
Just being able to remember these three chapters in your story, they may help you stay focused when you find yourself in the middle of that conversation. And you don't know where it's going to come. You don't know when it's going to happen. You may just be sitting there having lunch or having coffee or, you know, hanging out between classes or whatever. And a, a conversation may present itself to step in a little bit more intentionally and share your faith story. Just remember That simple equation that Doug Fields suggests when organizing your thoughts, let's even simplify it a little bit more. You may want to take your phone out, take a picture of this right here, this little little thing. Can we go to that next slide? Before plus how plus since equals my faith story. Before, what was life like before? How, how did you become a follower of Jesus? What would you do? What would you say? Since What's life been like since? That's your faith story. And you've got one. And so do I. If you can just remember that three chapter equation. Before plus how plus since. Man, you're going to be so much more ready when that opportunity comes. To share with someone else. And man, if you're sitting there going, man, I don't want that kind of pressure. I don't. I mean, somebody else's eternity hangs in the balance of me remembering the... No, it doesn't. Because salvation doesn't belong to you. Salvation belongs to who? Our God. We just read that from Revelation, remember? He's just inviting you to be a part of sharing so that someone else has an opportunity to respond. Remember, remember that, that, that metric that we want to begin to really focus on when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus with others. We want to count our conversations, not our conversions, because it's not our conversion to begin with. That's the role of God. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. If you'll just count your conversation, that's what he wants you to focus on. What if your goal this week was, God, would you give me the courage and the opportunity to this time next week be able to count at least one conversation? Just one. To look for it. To step into it. To to trust that God wants to use your life as a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, or a 50-year-old, or a 60-year-old, or a 70 Wherever you are, he wants to use you. I'm telling you, he does. He wants to use you to share good news. The conversation's your part. Leave the conversion to the Holy Spirit. That's his part. You just be faithful. You just be available. And God will use you. You can control your availability. You cannot control how people will respond. Leave that to God. And as you think about sharing your faith story with others, right now you may be just going, man, okay, I'm going to need some more handles. I'm going to need some more help. I'm going to need some more tools. Great. Let me give you five things quickly. Maybe six things. First thing is this. Right here, do these things in advance, meaning today and as you get up the tomorrow and, and as you get up on Tuesday, do these things, okay? Do these things to help you prepare to share your story. The first thing is this, would you pray? 
Would you pray? Would you pray? Begin your day. Before you ever begin talking to others about your story, would you talk to God about your story? Remember to talk to God first. Ask God to help you begin to organize your thoughts and prepare your heart and even to prepare the heart of the person that he's going to bring across your path to share your faith story with. And and would you pray and ask God, God, would you give me confidence in that moment? Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to step toward that moment and your heart going to start beating fast and every other voice in the world is going to speak to you about why you shouldn't do it and when that happens would you step into the moment rather than step out of the moment and if you pray God will move on your behalf God will give you what you need and God wants to work through you so would you pray second thing would you begin to organize your thoughts by chapter Would you begin to organize your thoughts by chapter? The before plus the how plus the sense. That's your faith story. So before you begin sharing your story, it's wise to just take a little bit of time to think through what it is that you would communicate when that opportunity presents itself. Because if you start praying for God to give you an opportunity, you know what God's going to give you? He's not going to give you coal in your stocking. He's going to give you an opportunity. He's going to give you an opportunity. And so join God in what he's desiring to do and begin a little prep work and organize your thoughts and take a little time to prepare beforehand and kind of think beforehand. What is it in each one of those chapters, the before, the how, and the since? How might I want to articulate that? Can you organize your faith story chapter by chapter, before, how, and since? You may be going, I think I can do that. If you'll do this next one, number three, I'm just going to tell you right now, many of you won't, but if you will, it will prepare you so much more. And it's this one right here. Write it out. Write it out. You're going, man, I don't like to write. Type it out. Text it out to yourself. There's something about taking the time and sitting down and writing out what you would say verbatim. This simple exercise will dramatically help you as you think through what it is that you want to say. If you will do that, God will honor that. And you will be partnering with the author of salvation. To bring good news to somebody that desperately needs it. That God wants to use you to help other people enjoy eternity with him. Would you write it out? And as you write it out, remember number four. Watch your language. Man, I don't cuss. That's not what I'm talking about. As you write out your story, I want you to remember that you're going to be talking with people that may not know um, churchy language, or some people have called it Christianese, okay? What's that? That's just using words or phrases, maybe that you've heard in church, but other people have not, and they wouldn't know what you are talking about. For example, instead of saying, I asked Jesus into my heart, if somebody's never heard about that before, that sounds kind of, hmm, what? Asked Jesus into my heart. Perhaps you could say, I asked Jesus to be in charge of my life. Now, that, that makes more sense to somebody that may not have a context. 
Watch your language. What does that mean? It means just be intentional. It means be sensitive about your language, your word choice as you're writing down your story. Think of it like this. If you, as you're writing things down, if you can't define one of the words that you're using, the chances are the person that you're talking with won't know the definition either. So write it down. And be very intentional about those words. And if you, are, if you write it down and you get stuck, ask somebody to help you. If you don't know who to ask, ask me. I'll help you. I'd love to help you. Love to help you. Number five, keep it short. Keep it short. Keep your story short. Five minutes or less. Five minutes or less. Think, think a minute on your how or excuse me, your before, a couple of minutes on your how, and a minute or so on chapter three, since. Just keep it short. Keep it, keep it very, very simple. Many times when we find ourselves in a conversation, we've got a window of time that begins to close. And you want to you be quick. You want to be thoughtful. You want to be organized in your thoughts. You want to be able to share your story in five minutes or less and just work through chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Because, man, if you just go on and on and on and on, people may be checking out going, man, too much information. Five minutes is a great goal to shoot for. And that means you're going to need to know what to say and how you want to say it when you are presented with the opportunity to share your story. Remember, you're having a conversation. It's not a sales pitch. You're not vomiting up all of your life on someone, okay? It's just, this is what my story is. The shepherds, they shared their story. As they went, it was likely very much conversational as they shared their encounters with people who cross their paths, and we should do the same. Keep it short, keep it simple, keep it clear. Finally, number six, practice, practice, practice. The most effective way to become comfortable with sharing your story is to do it. Practice with other friends that are also Christians. Practice on one another, a, a life group. Man, take, take a few moments in one of your life group classes and just share your story with each other and, and, and then help each other go, man, what was clear, what was not clear? How could I say that better? What made sense? What didn't make sense? Share your story. Practice, practice practice. Sharing your story should become second nature to you. Be ready and able to share your story at any time. And why shouldn't you? It's your story. You know it. You can do this. It's what you were made for. And it's why you're still here. Remember, before plus how plus since equals your faith story. So let me just ask you, will you be open to sharing your story this week? Would you be open to praying about it and asking God to give you an opportunity this week? It may just be the best Christmas present that God gives someone else through you. And, and, and I, I know what some are thinking, and I know this because I had a conversation with somebody not too long ago about sharing their story, and they just said, Pastor... 
my story's boring. I've been in church all my life. Became a Christian when I was a kid. And I'm just kind of like not radical in the story. I mean, it's not like God saved me out of this addiction or this thing traumatic happened. It's just, it's a boring story. Who wants to hear that? I'm going, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. If God's blessed you with what you think is a boring story, just share the story. Just share the story. Don't make it up. Don't embellish it. Just share the truth. Just share your story. If you'll be faithful to share your story, he will be faithful to use you. And there is such peace when you know you're doing what God created you to do. And friends, I'm going to tell you the truth. If you will step into the moments and share your story, you will step into eternity one day. And you will stand before God, the author of your story. And he will show you what your obedience in that moment has done. And how it has changed the scope of heaven. If you'll just trust him, he'll use you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Feel free to distribute this recording, but please do not sell or alter it in any way. For more information about Arapahoe Road Baptist Church, please visit our website at arapahoeroad.org. Arapahoe Road Baptist Church is located at 2256 Arapahoe Road in Garland, Texas with Sunday morning worship service at 10.45 a.m. We hope you'll join us this week.